All right, Mark. So I know you know this now that I've looked up to you for a long, long time. Um, being an American, being an incredibly well-rounded strength athlete, that's something that attracts me a lot. Um, is somebody who can just use their athleticism to get into these sports and find a way to do the best they can. Specifically about Olympic weightlifting, because I want to touch on all three strength uh, sports that you've partaken in at the highest level. Specifically Olympic weightlifting, what is it about Olympic weightlifting that you loved? The challenge. The, the challenge of, of lifting and the conquering your own fear. That's, that's, that's the, the, the thing about weightlifting that sets the good from the great is the ability to block out fear, challenging the bar. And in my life, not just lifting, I am the worst loser. And personal loss is worse than competitive loss, but it is personal when you get to your records. Any weightlifter that's ever amounted to anything, when you get to the 100% and you have to do more than 100%, that's when the challenge starts. Right. That's when the personal loss starts and you miss about 20 times. And then you scream, you fuss, you cuss. And then you finally do it. It's a feeling that drugs won't give you. It's a feeling that your family can't give you. It's personal achievement. And that was the thing that I, I loved the most is conquering the fear so I could feel that success. There's something that I noticed when I'm lifting and it is very palpable especially in Olympic weightlifting, but it seems like the world melts away and it's literally the room, the competition hall is incredibly quiet and it's just you in the bar. And that thing, it's very weird. It's almost like a, like a psychedelic experience, you know, like yeah. you really have no choice. You know, you can't think about anything else because this thing could kill you, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, being able to call upon that is like so valuable to me. It's something that I, I will never sacrifice, you know? You get that silence and there's always that one asshole that's in the back. You got this. Right. Like, sh shut up. <laughs> like, but I, I remember in 92, I went six for six at the Olympics and placed 10th. I don't remember no lifts. That was the most focused I'd ever been in my life to that point. I don't remember my parents being there. I don't remember family or friends cheering for me. I don't remember what my coaches said to me. I I had achieved the 100% level of focus. And it's sad that I don't remember my Olympic experience. But the end result was a 10th place finish to be 10th in the world right? at something. And I had no fear. I felt all accomplishment and it was, it was what every athlete lives for that one moment of hundred percent focus 
with no fear and you go in and you do your job. And I was able to do that. And that, I hope that that feeling could be described in this film. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, Adam and myself, we understand that like 100%. This isn't just a good script. This isn't just a, a good theme, but the entire thing is what we're trying to accomplish. So like the aesthetic of the sport, the sounds, the sights, exactly what you just described, and then put on the emotional development of characters. This movie has the power to do all of that in ways that haven't been shown before. They've been done before. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, you, you can you can draw to a lot of different movies that this will be like, but the visuals from this, the sounds, like I said, and, and the way this will be shot, you know, it, this is going to be something very, very special. Yeah, man, like reading it, it reads like Rocky one. You, you every time you see Rocky train, every time you see Rocky uh, interact with everybody around him because of the sacrifice that I made in lifting. Um, I never went on spring break. Uh, I never went to a lot of the cool stuff that kids get to go to. Um, I was a 20 year old virgin. My whole life was about lifting and about sports. And people don't don't understand that, like what sacrifices lifters make during before the uh, before 92 and before 96. I took a year of celibacy. Like my I went lived on an island with with only three people on the island to train. Wow. If you cannot focus, you cannot lift. So this is something that I'm actually incredibly interested in. I, I just recently made a video on this very idea. It's only sacrifice to people who don't want it and don't want to do it. It's like, look, I'm never going to take away from, from those things that you did sacrifice. But for you, maybe... It just seemed like this is the only way. That was the only right? way. So, so in that sense, it was almost like a stress reliever. Like it was like, I don't have to worry about anything else. I can just worry about the thing that I love and the thing that I want to do. No pressure. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. My, my buddies, um, you know, I still had access to a phone on the island. Right. And, and, and they were like, man, we're going down to 6th Street and we're going to do this. And so-and-so is playing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, like y'all have a ball. Yeah. Tell me about it. And that was how I was living vicariously through my people that was outside of the island. But that was only for entertainment purposes. I didn't long for it. I didn't I didn't want to go out or nothing like that. Man, I was going to bed at 8.30 at night, waking up at 6 in the morning and training, walking out into the ocean. The water was like 50 degrees, like after my training. Like it was, it was therapeutic, you know. I I I wrote more. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a writer. I'm a mm -hmm. poet. Mm -hmm. I wrote more in that time than the rest of my career combined. Imagine your outlet instead of going down to Sixth Street being writing. Right. Yeah. Like and that's my hobby, or that's my escape from 
God, training is really, really hard. And it's not and, a bad hobby to have. No, it's not. It's not. And in the lifting, I felt the the feeling of accomplishment is worth it. Of course. I've had the bar I've had the bar fall on top of my head, hit my shoulder, pin me to the ground. Um you start snatching four hundred pounds, which very few Americans have ever done. Exactly. That's a like, big, big number. It's a big deal. Oh yeah. So I took a lot of I took a lot of pride. I wanted to be the the, the best American lifter ever. And in that I'm gonna be in that conversation every time. Mm-hmm. But man, there was there was other people that made that sacrifice, and I, I want I want the the history of of the lifters that came before me to be told as well. Of course, you know that's 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 something that uh, Ronnie will impart. Um, is you're not the first one. You're not the first one to ever grab a bar. You're not the first one to ever miss. You're not the first one to ever set a record. There would be no records if there wasn't other people before you. Honor those people. So there's, I didn't really understand this full idea of sacrifice until I started weightlifting, which was late. So I, I played sports my whole life. Um, then I graduated college and I was like, there's no outlet for sports for me anymore. But I still like, I feel how still, I still feel like I have something left to, to give. Yeah, I got into CrossFit. CrossFit turned into weightlifting. And when I started to say, oh, my God, my total can keep going up and up and up. I um, didn't take a sip of alcohol for like three straight months, four straight months or something. Didn't even plan on it. Didn't say, hey, I'm going to stop drinking. I just figured it's like, well, I got to train on Saturday. Uh, so I can't go out Friday. And what, am I going to go out Saturday after training my ass off? Or am I going to go out Saturday night after training my ass off on Saturday and then to have my one day off Sunday feel miserable? No way. It was, it, for me, it was just a total natural thing. Like I, and I can tell you right now, if I had said, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to party, I probably would have gone and done it. It was just a natural thing for me. So the gift that weightlifting gave me was the truth. It gave me the true idea of sacrifice where other sports, I could kind of turn a blind eye to it. I could play with going out a little bit because it wasn't so noticeable how it would affect my performance. And to, to talk about the respecting the people of the past, it's very weird, but in those moments in time where it was just me and my training I felt a spiritual connection to the greats of the past. And I and I had YouTube as well. So I had, you know, the Iron Mind videos. I had videos of yourself. I had videos of a lot of people that were just playing in my mind or playing in front of me while I ate my lunch in between training sessions. I felt this like like they're my ancestors or something. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. I had Mario Martinez. Oh, yes. Uh, Mario Martinez. Rest in peace, man. That was so... Yeah. That that dude was... You know, I was competing with him coming in. I had only been lifting for 10 months. And um, the my rise from uh, first lifting and then... 10 months later being on the platform at the Olympic games is uh, unheard of, 
But if it wasn't for Mario pushing me and saying, hey, you, you're trying to pull it too hard. He said the bar is a foot above your head. It's crashing on you. He was teaching me, and I was his competitor. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. He really didn't. But he did because he saw the potential, and he thought that I could help the sport grow because they want, we want growth in the sport. But people like Mario and John Davis, I wanted to honor them. I wanted to be the next heavyweight. Oh, John Davis. The Norman Shemanskis of the world. Yep. I wanted to be considered great like them. And so, yeah, I, I, man, I, I, I mean, the sacrifice aside, uh, I could feel their presence. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I really want to talk about this in particular. The switch over to, for you, and for people who are listening and watching, like, this is crazy. Okay. The switch over to Olympic weightlifting, 10 months in and having a total that will qualify you for world championships in the Olympic Games is absolutely outrageous to think of. And what I want to know from you is, what were the what was the progress of numbers? Because this is a numbers game, this sport. Yeah. What was the progress in terms of numbers and where you got and how long it took you to get there? And then the Olympic Games and so on and so forth. The Probably about the first... The first time it looked ugly, but the first time that I ever had a a snatch training session, I snatched one twenty five. <laughs> that was my first because I was really really strong. I mean, I'm I'm saying that like I'm. No, yeah, I'm you nice. are. You are. Uh, don't you don't be humble the, ever. The around. strongest human that ever lived. I mean, I I squatted a thousand pounds. I deadlifted nine hundred pounds. I bench pressed five eighty five. All I raw. Snatched all raw. I I didn't use no equipment. Uh, I I snatched four hundred pounds. I clean and jerk five hundred pounds, and I won the world's strongest man after seven months of training against the best guys on the planet. And the athlete, I think, superseded the strength mm-hmm. at first because you have to be flexible, you have to be explosive. And like I said, it was ugly. It was very ugly because I was pulled it as high as, and then it would crash on me. And I would, you know, a lot of the, I would have got a a bronze medal at the Junior Olympics if I didn't pull the bar so high in the snatch Mm -hmm. because my show, my arm went down and they called, you know, Rudy Sablo, God rest his soul, gave me a red light. It would be an American judge that gave me a red light, but anyway, I'm I'm not gonna go back there. But so 125 in the snatch, 125, and two months later I snatched 145, and went to the juniors, uh, did 147, and this is, you're gonna laugh. Uh, I can snatch 147, but I can only clean and jerk 170 at that time. Yeah. What was throwing you off? Was it the jerk? The jerk. Yeah. I just couldn't jerk. Right. That's, it's actually pretty common. It's not, I mean, I think, I think it's obviously not ideal to have that ratio, but I've just seen it a lot. My, splitting my feet. Yep. Was Timing. So weird. Yeah. And I, my heel would hit, my toe would hit. Mm-hmm. Like it was not ever in unison. And I always pressed them out 
and I just felt like I needed to use my strength rather than the technique. And then, man, six months, six more months, you know, I was doing, you know, 165 uh, consistently and, you know, 200. So uh, in about a 10-month period, 11-month period, you know, I I had refined the technique enough to do a decent standard. And, you know, to do 165 and 200 was pretty damn good for a kid that had never seen that lift. Well, I'd seen it in the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. but in the gym. I had never felt that lift um, or made any attempts at it before then. That That is truly amazing. And I think, in my opinion, it's a, more of a testament to your athleticism than it is your strength. And I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, that doesn't make sense because this guy's one of the strongest dudes in American or world history. Uh, and... But I have, have seen explosive. I have seen very strong people who yeah. cannot do what you did. I have seen it in in all three sports. Of course, I, I I'm telling you that it, it should never go understated what you were able to accomplish in the time frame that you did. Um, what I want to I want to change it up a little bit and go towards strongman because that to me is a really interesting one. Becoming the world's strongest man. And I don't know how long you trained for it, but you just, what was it? How long were you I took training? off from wrestling for, this was 2002. I took off from wrestling for five months. So um, I was I was still strong then, mm-hmm. training-wise. Um, I think 2002, uh, I came out of retirement. And to qualify, I went to the Nationals. I qualified for the Nationals. Won the Texas State Championship, uh, won the national championships in powerlifting, so I could qualify to be one. You had to be one of the three. Really? You had to, to in order to qualify for, for the Arnold Str- Classic. Oh, Arnold Classic, world strongest man. You had to be either the national powerlifting champion, the national uh, weightlifting champion, or you had to be a national strongman. That's really cool. So I had to go get one of them, and the powerlifting one was the easiest one for me to go get. <laughs> I was, I, I wasn't gonna try to go and mess with Shane Hammond. He was the man. Oh man, yeah. I knew Shane would tear my head off at that point. So I was like, ah, I'm gonna leave him alone. And so I, I went and won powerlifting. I, I think I squatted like uh, nine sixty five and. Bench like two eighty five and deadlifted nine hundred three was the world. We ended up being the world record. Two eighty five is in in pounds. To what was it? so your bench was what two eighty five? You said no. Oh, uh, uh, five eighty five. Five eighty five. Yeah, you said two eighty five. Oh, that, um, I was like, that was a massive bench. I've been two eighty five kilos. I've been hitting the head a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling man. So so then. Um, that world strongest event, world strongest man event was the Arnold. Was that the first? That was the strongest? first Arnold okay. Classic. So this is the lift right here. This is the axle. Apollon. The Apollon's right? wheel. Apollon's wheel. All right. Adolf, talk, talk us about talk talk us through that day and leading up to that lift because I've put this in my channel. It is a legendary lift. You know, um, I think since there's been guys who have broken that. But I think they've never done it the way that I did it. Okay, well, explain. No, nobody. Explain, explain. Okay, go ahead. Pollen's wheels. Um, 
in the early eight, 1900s, um, Adolf Apollon, uh, people say he apparently lifted this train axle. There's no evidence showing that he did it. He just had it and said that he did it. So in the, you know, you had Norbert Shemansky uh, lifted, uh, and they they kind of like pulled it to their waist, mm-hmm. and then they switched their grip it to their shoulders and turned their hands, and then they push pressed it overhead. John Davis almost broke it, the original uh, apparatus. Um, after after coming back from the war, uh, John Davis was able to lift it, and. Terry Todd always thought that that was one of the most impressive and the extremely hardest uh, lifts to do. And he only wanted to do the heaviest, hardest lifts at the Arnold. And um, when I heard about what what was going to be done, I Googled, of course, like, you know, the lift, and I watched it over and over and over. And the thing that's exceptional about um, me lifting is my grip strength. Yes. So I I trained my grip after watching karate movies when I was a little kid. So you ever you ever see Pame the uh, the old karate movies? The guy with the white hair. I've they se- used to punch steel and rocks. And I've seen run, um, grab gravel. You know, I've seen uh, like homages to that like yeah, kill bill like, like kill bill yeah so right. i i did training like that not realizing that that was tv i was a dumbass kid but mm-hmm. and so i would you know ring out towels after seeing this movie called master killer i'm a big old karate movie fan so i would do all this stuff and it it, <laughs> it worked it, it like so when i train kids and i, I have a program called mark henry strong kids and and grip is a big foundation of our training. So this is why this is important. I actually realized with the Apollon's wheel or axle or yeah, you grabbed it like like this overhand, overhand, not like this and switching hands. No. You grabbed it overhand and pulled and pulled, and it did not come like that. Is crazy to me because like you, every weightlifter knows that. You're gonna do uh, an arc when you lift. The bar comes off the floor, it goes forward, and then it does an umbrella. It mm-hmm. does a little hook. Yep. And in that little hook area, you have to meet the bar as at the apex of the hook. So when the bar comes, boom, you meet it. That's what I was doing. I was pulling the bar high enough that I can let it go. And this is in suspended animation. You let it go. And then you catch it. Yep. And it's the same principle as a clean, same principle as a snatch. The feet and the arms, bam, at the same time. So when you went and lifted, what was the process like leading up to those? I used weightlifting technique to do it rather than powerlifting or just trying to muscle it up. You have more endurance and more oxygen in your blood at the beginning of the lift than you do at the end. So I did not want to have to fight it before I had to put it over my head um and competition day comes in what was your warm-up what was your mindset around that lift um i wanted to be really really fresh i had a man i went to bed like nine o'clock 
I woke up at like seven in the morning, ate the biggest breakfast you ever saw in your life. Uh, I, I think I ate a dozen eggs that day. And uh, I got to the training hall. I laid down and stretched. I, I always did a lot of stretching back then. Uh, as a weightlifter, flexibility is paramount. You, know, you have to have great shoulder flexibility, uh, incredible glute and hamstring flexibility because you can't get in a position without it. Um, so I stretched and I relaxed and I sat there and I focused and I looked. I did that lift 50 times in my head. So when I went to the platform, um, I always showed a flare of, I was kind of a show off. I stood on one leg. I, you know, danced. You know, I I, I was a clown. That's that I wanted to entertain, and that day was no different. It was like the only way you get to celebrate. I tell my son, he's a great athlete. The only way you get to celebrate is if you win. Losers never get to show their dance moves, and he laughs. But this is God's honest truth. I wanted to get it in, so I had to go out there and perform. So the most interesting part about this is you've you hit that lift fifty times before in you hit once. So there, this is a very interesting study. There was they took a basketball they took basketball players. They had one uh, shoot free throws. They would shoot ten free throws. Another one would not shoot, but he would make the you know he would he would Visualize, pretend like see yep, yourself he would see himself, but he would actually go like this right. And then they had one just stand there and make 10 free throws without moving in his head, just completely stand there. And who do you think performed the best? The guy that focused and just stood there. The guy that just stood there. Of all of them, he outperformed them all. Even the guy that practiced, even the guy that practiced his form. The visualization thing is so so powerful and it it almost what what sucks is like i don't like to be the guy that says the same thing that everyone else has been saying for a long time but i really feel like there's some again spiritual depth to that it's not just belief yeah it's not just it's like actually i've do i'm doing this right now i can i'm lifting this bar i've already lifted it mhm my best uh, in-competition lift in the clean and jerk ever. Actually, I did once. No, no, this is it, 175. And I did, uh, I did it like near 180 in training. But that day I could have I done who knows what. I remember walking up to the bar and being like, this, this thing? I've already, I've already lifted this thing. I even said it. I said, this weight's easy. I said it and the camera recorded it. It's up on my Instagram. I didn't think, like, again, if someone had told me to visualize making it, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like, now visualize yourself making it. It just was natural. It was like, it was just I wish going they to happen. Though. I wish, I wish they would have done that to you. So, so it's because that's what I had at the training center in Colorado Springs. We, we had I, Dr. Steve Fleck, who was mm -hmm. the exercise scientist, and we did blind lifting. We did oxygen deprivation. We did force platform power outputs. Like they, they did the whole biomechanical breakdown of the lift and, and every facet of it. Sometimes it would be just 
they would have the your maximum weight on blocks, and then you had to go and just pick it up and jerk it, just do the jerk without doing a clean or anything. Some days we would just clean. Some days, I mean, we we did these scientific experiments mm-hmm. to see, you know, what was the best way to train. All of that was preceded by, I need you to close your eyes. I need you to see yourself do that lift. Be in the moment. Be on that platform. And see yourself actually. I can see myself in Colorado Springs. I can smell it. I know where I was sitting. I know what color the weights. There were certain weights that I liked. I like even weights. I wanted all red and white change. I didn't want to have a blue, a yellow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want that. If if I couldn't get all the proper weights, I wouldn't do it. That's how crazy and focused you got to be. You got to have it the way that it looks the best to you, feels the best. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to describe to somebody that never lifted before. So that's. But if you lifted before, you everybody's going. <laughs> Man, I get it. I know exactly what you're saying. So I I understand this deeply and it really is hard just it's hard. It's too palpable. It's too visceral. It's too but but also at the same time it's intangible. Unless you like you said like someone has done it before. And that's kind of where I was going when I when I said that I I was like completely sober not on my own volition, but because it was just like, oh, I've got to do this. Like, it's just right. what well, I want to do this. And I think the visualization fed into that as well. It was something that I had to feel myself or I would never allow someone to tell me to visualize something just mm-hmm. personally. It had to be like, yeah, but visual, it doesn't make sense to me when you tell me to visualize that doesn't whatever. But the more and more I lifted, it was like, I was just visualizing making it because like, what else would I visualize? You know, and then after a while, it became a wonderful tool. And at your level, at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, absolutely would be it would absolutely be a beneficial thing to have someone guide you through that just every single day. It's not going to happen the first day, too. No. If I tell you to visualize something that you like that you like, don't know like about golfing, you? are you a golfer at all? I, I I used to, but not now. But I get to what or like saying. bowling or or something where it takes like I need focus for this one singular movement. If I told you to visualize, you're gonna be like, I visualize what? I don't get the sport. Well, I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> you know. Exactly. So, but now that you felt it, now that you're dying for this thing, now that you're you're giving your all in every manageable way. Now, when I tell you to visualize it, you can. Now you can, and that is exactly what you what I'm saying. I had Emilian Yankov and Angel Spazov. Every time I would do a lift, they would make me draw the trajectory in the line of the bar. What What do you think it was? And then they would tell me, "No, you you, you push a bar out too far, and now you had to pull it backwards, and now it's going backwards." So an object in motion stays in motion. If I'm pulling it backwards, that's where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to fight it. You can stop it with your body. That's how I tore my rib, my intercostals at the Olympics in 96 uh, with, with 185 is 
I, I should have let it go for the greater good to get to the cleaning jerk. I should have let it go. But that never say die, fight it to the end mentality, it, it, it caught up to me. But um, each one of my coaches gave me something. And the trajectory of the bar and knowing where the bar lies and where it was going to fall and how hard to pull it. And don't pull it all the way as hard as you can because once you pull it as hard as you can, you're not going to be able to control it. You need right. to use your technique. And then I got to Colorado Springs, and I had Dragomir Sarosalon, who Dragomir was more of a visualization, see it so you can do it, and focus. And Dragomir was the one that, you know, really got us with Dr. Steve Fleck and got us to have these classes where we learn how to focus. Um, Terry Todd was uh, all of them. Terry was like, know the history. Know what came before you. He said, a lot of times, you won't compete against the people that's in the room with you. He said, you're already good enough that everybody in that room, they're not going to be able to compete. He said, you're going to compete against ghosts. Everybody that's came before you, that's who you're competing against. Don't you want to be number one, number two, number three in every category that you compete in? Yeah. He said, well... Don't you want to know who you're competing against? Oh, okay. So then I had to learn the history of the sport. So that that is a different mentality of training, uh, but it is a part of the training. Like the studying and the knowing where you came from and where you are is, is super important. So I, I, was, I, I was very well-rounded. I, I wasn't an accident. I wasn't just a strong guy that – uh, got into lifting from the time that all my childhood photos from seven years old to graduating high school, I was flexing, I was posing, I was, I felt strong. And um, it led me to everybody that I ever met in the sport. And it wasn't an accident that I became me. It was, it was, uh, it was predetermined. Yeah. Like I said, you know, there have been strong guys before. There are currently strong guys, but that doesn't mean they can do what you've done. If it, they study, it, and hopefully the genetics is there, but... Well, that's what the, But what I'm pointing out is, like, when people say, oh, Mark was just a strong guy. No, that's why he was work, so good at right. weightlifting. That That is not... Because there are strong guys that don't do what you did. Right. So that's that's what I was getting at. And I think that's a really important thing. What I want to touch on just strength in general. And I think what's going to what's going to fall into this is powerlifting specifically, because when when we look at strength, like your introduction to the weight room for a lot of people is just regular compound movements, also single joint movements where we're just trying to get more muscle and get stronger. That's going to be deadlift, back squat, front squat, uh, bench press, you know, bent over rows. It's going to be pull-ups. It's going to be push-ups. It's going to be all of the very basic things. And I think when people want to test themselves after being in the weight room, it's only natural to do it in powerlifting. And that's what I want to touch on with you is your experience in powerlifting, but more so just strength. Like, when did you know that, okay, this is kind of crazy that I'm going to be this strong or that, that I think I can really 
like powerlifting, like you're telling me I just pull on this bar or I back squat this bar and bench press it and I'm beating all of you guys? Like what what was that process like for you? I I, I knew at in the sixth grade because I wanted weights and my fam my brother had foot weights to get strong for football and I was already lifting 225 pounds in the seventh grade by the, that summer of the seventh grade. So when I went to when I went to junior high, um, they had only machine weights, and machines would go up to like 315 or 325. I could lift the whole stack, and the coaches were like, "Holy shit! Like, did you just do the whole stack?" And I'm like, yeah. And I felt good about it. And they were like, well, we, we got to take you to high school because at the high school they had free weights. And they wanted to see what I could do. So I went to the high school and lifted. That's when I knew that I was different. I thought I was just strong. I didn't know that I was exceptionally strong. Right. Um, so I, what happened after that? Like, how, I, what was I bench the- pressed three, 300. The first day that I in in the seventh grade, and um, that next year I was able to do three fifty five in the in the eighth grade, and I was benching near four hundred my freshman year. We didn't even have a powerlifting team, and they were like, went and got my brother uh, my freshman year, and you know they did the powerlifting the squat uh, test. And my brother's record was 565. And I got the 525, you know, this, you know, little freshman lifter. And they went into the school because my brother was in the varsity period. I was in the freshman class. They went, got my brother and brought him out of his class (laughs) and said, hey, Mark is going to try to break your record. And he was like, get out of here. And he came in there and watched me break his uh, squat record. No. And he was like, damn. Like, you know, um, he could not believe that that I was able to squat 565. And that was a true freshman that had only been squatting for probably less than six months. So oh how, the things that I was doing, um, I just they, PR'd they, my back squat. I just PR'd my back squat at five oh nine. You want to hear? And I'm a grown ass ridiculous? man. So how old were you? Fourteen. I was fourteen. <laughs> so check this out. This is gonna make you laugh. Okay. And it's a lot of work that go into it. Yeah. Yeah. My son. Is sixteen. He went. He went viral on on social media um, before school started this year. Sixteen years old. He squatted six hundred, and that was not the limit. We stopped him because he's playing football, and I didn't want him to burn himself up. And the same thing with the deadlift. You know, when when we're done with this, I'll show you videos of him deadlifting. He deadlifted 600, no sticking point. My God. And 
is because people say, oh, yeah, you're supposed to do that. You Mark Henry's son. No. He trains like he don't have talent. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the mentality that we have when we go to the gym. Yeah, he wanna be mean. I'm his dad. Yeah. And I, I and he don't he don't he don't he was like, Well, I don't want to power lift because I'll never lift what you lifted. I said, Well, you never will if you think like that. I was like, if you if you wanna do it, we're not even the same weight class. What are you talking about? He was like, What do you mean? I was like, you know there's weight classes, right? Right. He, that's how young he is. He don't even know. He didn't know those weight classes. I, I want to get back to your relationship with you and your son because that fascinates me. But I, I have to know. I have to keep going through this progress because this is so interesting to me. At, so high school, see, high school freshman, back squats five sixty five. Yeah. Uh, okay. What? Where did we go from there? At that point. Uh, Craig McGallion, who was a coach, goes to the principal and says, we got a kid that just lifted more than everybody that ever lifted in the history of our school. We need weights. We need money to go buy new weights. We don't have enough weights for him. And they said, well, how much do you need? So the city did a big fundraiser and they bought us a brand new gym. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, like $5,000. You did that for for your friends, too. And it was for everybody. Yeah. And I felt good about that. Yeah. And the next year, from having no team, no powerlifting team, the next year we won state. We had five other guys that pushed themselves as hard as I pushed myself. And from the smallest weight class, Adam Hart at 114, to me, at the Super Heavies, uh, we we both won state, and then we had two other guys place second and third, and one of those guys was my brother. He came wow. in third. So then when did you – I guess professional wouldn't be what we would call it. Like when did you start competing – you know, nationally, nationally. In, in, in powerlifting, like what, uh, what, and what do those numbers look like? I, my senior year, uh, I competed in Hollywood, Florida at the world championship or uh, the senior nationals. And uh, for what, what federation? For powerlifting. What federation? Uh, I think time? it was the USPF. USPF. They, 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 they didn't drug test. Okay. Gotcha. Cause I couldn't go to the ADFPA, uh, nationals because, of, gra- of graduation. Okay, what weight class? Super heavy. And who who were some? Were there any bigger names? The, in that? the guy. The only time in powerlifting, I've only lost one time in powerlifting, and that was Kurt Kowalski. Oh yeah, and um, um, Kurt beat me by like ten pounds, <laughs> and that ten pounds just ate hey, the it. shit out of me for a year. How old were you though? You were a senior in high school. I was eighteen. Yeah, come on. And you're gonna get I don't him know back. He knew you were gonna get something. him back. He knew. He yeah. knew. He was like, "Damn, man, you're impressive." And and shook my hand. Unlike Anthony Clark, who was mean as shit to me, he, right. he felt intimidated that I was coming after his records. I broke all his high school records. He was so mad, and I I, I felt like that was uh, an indictment on his character. God rest his soul. But you know, like 
I competed in the in the organizations that drug tested, mm-hmm. and I, 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 a lot of those, a lot of his records in the federations where they didn't the drug test, some of those records still stand. But in powerlifting, a lot of the records are littered with you know Mark Henry, Mark Henry, Mark Henry because uh, if they drug tested, then I hold those records still. Um, so let's let's talk about. If we could, just a little bit about your relationship with the health side of the sport. And I think it's it's important for people listening, watching, to know that if you're trying to reach the pinnacle of whatever it is you're doing, it can and likely will take a toll on your health. Oh, yeah. But if we look at the top-level powerlifters, weightlifters, uh, and and definitely strong men what they're doing to their bodies is incredibly unhealthy and it's not you know i just watched the rogue invitational and uh they did a thousand pound yoke they did a bunch of other things and i i'm actually not concerned about the stress from the weights i'm concerned with their lifestyle conflicting with the stress from the weights yeah can you speak on that lifestyle? And I think let's let's go into strongman because I think it is the most extreme. Personally, I think I think what those guys are. No, I, I think I think that uh, powerlifting I think would be the most extreme because you don't have to be a great athlete to be a powerlifter. You just need raw, low gear strength mm-hmm. and people that take anabolics and. Um, growth hormone that that you'll be it'll be beneficial to you in powerlifting more than it would be in weightlifting especially weightlifting you have to be an athlete you have to be yeah. flexible you can't just be strong you have to have a strong um mental capacity for weightlifting because you got to break down and 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 review your technique and and be able to evaluate yourself. You can't. I think in weightlifting, you can't build yourself up initially with drugs alone. But I think the value would come from recovery, and it would also give you something else to periodize. Like, well, it would also make you thirty percent stronger. So if you thirty to thirty three percent stronger, you can be ten percent better in in weightlifting right yeah i mean that's kind of the rule too is i mean that's what the statistics have shown in olympic weightlifting 10 percent usually and 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 i got beat i got beat in the olympics uh in 96 by 33 exactly 33 percent first place if if they took 33 percent that was um and are you talking 92 or 96 I'm talking 92. Okay. Um, Who was, uh, oh, yeah, where you were 10th. Where where I was 10th was. Um, Who was 1, 2, and 3 at that time? Oh, Rezazade was? No, Rezazade was after. I never competed against him. Okay. Uh, it was um, oh, the yes. Ukrainian. Um, well, he competed for Russia, but he. Chmerkin? Andre Chmerkin. And um, those guys. You know, I mean, it was a bunch of them that were really, really good. Ronnie Heller, Weller, Weller. Sorry, the the German. Yeah, and Murphy and Manfred, Manfred Nerlinger. And so here's the thing: like you said, thirty three percent was the winner, yeah. but 
if you were to dial in, like, what was your, what were your lifts at in 92? What were the top lifts in both? You know what? Um, I can't put my finger on exactly what that number was right now. But you had much more to give. But as I far still as... had a lot to learn. Yes. So here's what I would I would say. Best, best possible Mark Henry. And let's say best possible Tremurkin. That's where the drugs can add 10%. Yes. So 33%, but you trained for 10 months. Right. Right. So generally, that, and that's where I was getting at is like, and we kind of went off a little bit here on the tangents, but the 10% in weightlifting is like very common. And 10%, it's not just like, that's if you do your best, right? Right. But that gives you leeway to have a, you know, a three for six, a four for six meet, a two for six meet, and still be able to medal and still be able to even win in certain cases. That's where, that's where it sucks. That's where I totally understand. And look, we can, we can bitch about it all we want, but it is what it is, and it was what it was. I want you to wrap your brain around this. I quit weightlifting after '96. I was still in my mid twenties. I was able to snatch one eighty two five. I was able to clean and jerk 222. And that's a hell of a standard. Today, it's a good standard. What if I had lifted for 10 more years and got into my grown man strength is what Terry Ty used to call it. 30 years old, 35. That's where Mario Martinez was teaching me. He was 35. So, uh, and I say that about powerlifting. I would have squatted 1,100, I think. I would have deadlifted 925. You know, I could have. I was the worst bench. I came in dead last in the bench in powerlifting in every weightlifting competition I went to because, you know, 580 is nothing at the world level. It's nothing. There were guys in the 181s that could beat me in the bench. So I wasn't embarrassed about it, but my subtotal. And then I knew when the deadlift came, it was over. So, but strong man, you could be 35 and still be great. 40 years old. You could be great. So the problem is the professional eating, the professional drug taking the, you know, the stress. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rough, you know, like I complained about it. Complaining about it didn't help. You know, only now in Olympic weightlifting, uh, all the work that people like Ursula Garza uh, have done to help clean the sport up. Like, I I, I wish that I'd have had uh, people like Ursula at the top of the game uh, when I was competing. I probably would still be, I, I still would have lifted. I would have kept lifting. Uh, but uh, Tomas Ion, that son of a bitch walked up to me in Atlanta and told me to stop complaining about the drugs because I'm going to get the sport kicked out of the Olympics. <laughs> He's, I'm, it's my, it's going to be my fault. That's what he walked up and told. Imagine if somebody walked up. I have and told chills him. with anger right now. Yeah, I've. 
I imagine why that's why Mark, I quit. You you have no idea the level of ridicule I have given the IWF and Thomas Ion over the past two, three, four years. We never talked about that. Man, I don't know. You fucking. I'm sorry. I'm gonna let loose right now because that just boils my blood. My it was gonna be my fault. What a flaming piece of shit he that was, man is. I was eight. I was. I was 22 years old, and he tried to put the, the <sighs> failure of the sport on me, complaining. I've to heard clean the sport dude, to make people not take drugs. I have two uh, instances of <laughs> Thomas Ion that people that hasn't been reported. Mind you, there are still millions of dollars missing. Mind you, still. And we're never going to, the sport, the IWF is never going to get that back. He paid officials in different countries to vote for him so he could be the president again. He uh, allowed bribes to transfer athletes from one country to another. He allowed athletes to compete after being banned. Every bit of corruption was exposed by a third party. The McLaren report was an in-depth report from a third party that came in and said, by all accounts, if this was in anything else, this man would be handcuffed and thrown in jail yeah. for life. Okay. So and, and that whole and, deal was Alexander Kolovich that I competed against in Atlanta. He got kicked out of the games. He got the death penalty the year before, uh-huh. two years before. Yeah. And then he came back stronger than oh, he that, was before he left. Oh, that's because just, he didn't get drug tested look, for two years. I gotta be honest with you. This is <laughs> this is nothing new, bro. Look. Coming back after a band stronger, that's uh, what we do in weightlifting, baby. <laughs> it, it, oh, it you so good. You, you got pop for Stanazolol as a junior, right? You come back and, uh, oh, all of a sudden you're snatching more than you ever have before. You're clean and jerking more than ever before. But that's because you got this new natty status. That you know, It's all bullshit. We all know it's bullshit, but look. Oh, uh, man, just... <sighs> like okay, we can't change it. Of course, but you know what? I'm a fan of weightlifting again. You know why? Because I see American faces at the top. Because they are finally doing better with the drug testing, and I'm optimistic. And I could be a fan. I I I, I can't even tell you. I I know I didn't watch the last Olympics in lifting. I didn't watch. Just bitter. And then when I found out how good everybody was doing and how many changes they've made, I got back into it. I have to just slightly burst your bubble. It's not as good as you think it is as far as drug testing and and leveling and things like that. There's still a lot of... It's really laziness. WADA doesn't do their job compared to like uh, an organization like USADA. Uh, and a lot of these numbers are still going up from guys who are supposed to be natural, beating the shit out of guys. You know, there's a, a junior, 109, snatching 190 mm. at 19 years old. Random kid in Ukraine. You know, we can't just... So, with USA Weightlifting in mind, and, uh, you know, the changing future, there's a a very bright superstar in CJ Cummings. Um, Incredible. Yeah. And he, he's going to be playing a little role in the movie as well. He's going to be like the up and comer and you're playing his coach. What does that sort of thing mean to you? It means a lot 
because one, there's some things that not just lifting that I can help him with. Um, he reached out to me about weight, about uh, pro wrestling before. And I don't want CJ Cummins to leave um, lifting until he is uh, the hands down best lifter in the world. Um, I left and I don't want him to make the same mistake that I made. And I went and made a living in pro wrestling um, because that was the best option. And I was bitter. I wanted to leave because of Thomas Ayan and the sport not being clean and all of that. CJ is in a better position than I was. And he's got people that are looking out for him, not to mention he's close. And I, and he's just damn good. And uh, I hope to see him um, flourish. But I, I, I want to impart with him in this film um, that – it's going to be hard. Like, don't expect it to come just because you're working. You have to go and take it. And as a coach, um, I saw really good coaching with Angel Spazov and Emelian Yankov and Dragomir Sarosalin, like Terry Todd. So there will be elements of all of my coaches uh, in uh, Mr. Ferris because I want CJ to have what I had, and it's going to be real. It's not going. It's, it's not just going to be the movie. Like CJ is going to get the best coaching that's ever been handed down. It's it's just incredibly powerful to have these two things mirror real life and the movie. You know, the fact that this is something that you could see yourself doing in real life. Man. You know? I am doing it in real life. Yeah. You know, at Mark Henry Strong Kids, like, we've done several summer training sessions. I took a group of kids to Ursula Garza's to get personal coaching from Ursula. You know how awesome that was for them? And... The best part about it is Ursula was telling them exactly what I was telling them. But sometimes to reach kids, somebody else has to tell them, yeah. not just you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, giving CJ this information, he's going to take it into his real life after the movie. Because I'm not going to tell him movie talk just to be telling movie talk. Like, I want to tell him exactly what I was told, the way that I was told in the Olympic Games. And I think because he's such a great athlete and because he's already a champion lifter, he'll get it. That he'll It'll sink in, and it's going to come across to everybody. Like, Mark is passionate about this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't accept this role. Yeah. If I wasn't going to impart what I know to be the truth. What do you think a film like this can do for the sport of weightlifting? There's a lot of people that are strong and there's a lot of people 
around the world now that's doing CrossFit that, you know, they may not think that they can be an Olympic weightlifter. I think that CrossFit is going to get better because of the fact that they'll people are going to see the Olympic movements and go, oh, wow, that's, that's a better technique than I, I use. People talk about CrossFit not being safe. CrossFit is safe. It's just that you need more people that are qualified to teach it at the highest at the highest levels. And I don't think that that's the case. Now, every city in America, you go to Austin, right here in Austin, there's about 20 CrossFit gyms where you can get Olympic level training. Houston, oh, hands down. Florida, yeah. D.C., oh, man, you can get it. But in between America, well, California, especially California, like there's in between, there's not a lot of great coaching. You know, you got Dennis Sneathan still coaching in in um, in Missouri and Wes Barnett's coaches. And like it's a lot of people that's doing the best they could do. But they're not training. They're not able to train all these people that are opening these CrossFit gyms and people are getting hurt. So I think that CrossFit is going to get better because of this movie, because it's going to put more of an emphasis on the coaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the the pool of weightlifters is going to get higher because there's guys that play football, basketball, other professional sports that use Olympic weightlifting as a training vehicle for their specific sport. I think the acknowledgement of the sport will get better because of that. So there's a lot of elements that are going to get better. Yeah. And I, I think outside of the weightlifting world, like th this story, I really believe in. And I, and I know you believe in now too, because you've accepted this role. But to allow strength training and to allow weightlifting to hammer home the story, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a more effective way to do it. We see it. We see boxing. Boxing is very affecting, effective. Mm -hmm. Fighting that can hammer in. If we want to develop a character, we want to show certain things. Oh, here's a great tool. It's a great motif. It's a great metaphor. But there's something different about. Not you versus an opponent, but you versus a bar. You versus yourself. You versus yourself is... that. That is better than the bar. Yeah, you versus yourself. You versus yourself. So you, you versus yourself is a common... It's common thematically, right? It's either you versus yourself, you versus someone else, or you versus nature, or you, you know? But... It's, again, it's this intangible, it's, but, it, but yet palpable thing about weightlifting. And it's a damn shame that it's never been shown to people. Uh, it's a shame. So we're going to do that, Mark. Yeah. And I'm so excited. I told you, Rocky 1, Rocky 3, That that's what this, I mean, I know that's a high bar. The, 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 Rocky won, won, won an Oscar. But it was because it was a story about boxing that had never really been told. And I think that telling this story and, and where it's going to go and what I've already read, man, like people going to find out 
about themselves. All the lifters around the world that, that are already lifting, all of the competitive athletes in the NBA, in the NFL, in Major League Baseball, all of these. Chad I.K. has his school in, in, in Arizona. Jeff Macy was training the Bulls in the, when they were winning championships in the 90s. It's no reason, it's no secret that the Bulls were, were winning championships. They had great players. But I also remember Jeff telling me how hard they trained. And they were doing Olympic weightlifting way ahead of the curve. So I, people are going to get introduced to our sport. And the people that are in professional sports are going to find people like us. And they're going to say, hey, I want to be better in my sport. Will Olympic weightlifting make me better in my sport? And I'm going to say yes. And they're going to want to know where they can get, get trained. There's going to be an emphasis on credible gyms across the country to go train at in the offseason. The world of sports is going to get better because of this movie. Yeah, and I, I think. Think when, about that. Yeah, yeah. Wrap your I mean, brain it's, around it's, it's that. Not, it's not just weightlifting. The NFL, yep. Major League Baseball, hockey, everybody's going to get better because of this movie that's about to come out. Right. Uh, I think people need to know that uh, they can invest. They can be a part of this as well. Uh, we have a we have a fund set up. It's not a donation-based thing. We've done that before, but we set up what's called a WeFunder. Took a long time, a lot of stuff in the back end. And what that allows for is people to put something into this movie to invest and potentially get something back out of it. And that's what we're hoping to accomplish. And and adding you to the fray as well is... I can't think of a better person for this role. And I can't think of a better way to... You see, I get fired up. I get fired up real easy. Because I love it, man. Yeah. And I believe in it. And I know for a fact that everything that I say is going to come from my heart and my experience. And... Uh, I've had success at every level. I've been blessed. I didn't pick the sports that would have paid you the most money. I picked what God made me to do. And I picked what I loved and what made me feel good. Lifting made me feel good. At the end of the day, I go to sleep every night knowing I did it the right way. I did the best that I could do and that I influenced people. You said that you admired me from afar and you were motivated by my work. I've had people walk up to me and tell me, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I used to go to prisons and do lifting exhibitions. And I've had guys come back and say, hey, man, I was in jail in Huntsville prison when you came to the prison. He said, you know, I run a janitorial service now. He's like, I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for me seeing you. That's that's the feeling, the emotion that I want people to get out of this movie. Shit means something to me. And I don't want it to be trivialized. 
and I don't think it will be because now we get to write the narrative. We get to tell the story about the thing that makes everything else better. You can't be a great football player and you're not strong. You can't be a great basketball player and not be explosive. You can't be a great baseball player without torque and without explosion. Like, I would argue that what it does for your mind and the you can't be a better person. You know, I mean, it's all of the things that you've talked about today. I don't. I don't even look at weightlifting and the value it does for you physically. None of it. I, what I see with with Mark Henry is what this sport has done for your life. You said it. It fell fed your family. It did. It provided you mental stability. It provided you purpose, and those are things that I value in this conversation much, much more than the ins and outs, the X's and O's of this sport and what it does for other sports. I appreciate that. And 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 I'll be honest with you, man, if we can recreate that in some way in this film, it's going to be captivating. There's no fucking doubt about it. Yeah. And I couldn't be, like I said, more ecstatic to have you on board, man. Well, I'm ready to get after it, man. I really can't wait for um, the end result, but the the process of, of actually living through it is going to be just, I think as important as the end result. I think that a lot of people are going to benefit from it. So I think we're going to end it there, but I want to test your grip strength. No, oh, don't do it. Just, just a handshake. That's all I want. This, give me, give me the, give me what you got. The clip, a this, this is the, the, the baby version. Don't, don't, don't break nothing. Oh, come on. I want it. no, Oh, <laughs> that's that karate training. Gravel, man. The gravel. the gravel, the twisting. All right, man. That's it. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Uh, I'll see you. See you next time. I'm gonna wipe away the tears. <laughs>